Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 652. Science Faction, electric tuberculosis, and vaccines against misinformation. Electric tuberculosis. This is it like uh, the difference between like a regular guitar and electric guitar. Like it just amplified. Like like when I cough, it like amplifies the sound of my cough. Like wow, that's is he distorting that rasp? Wow, man, is that like a wah wah? The difference. I'm gonna try to figure. I think the difference between an electric guitar and an acoustic guitar is the first guy is trying to get laid, and the second guy doesn't like black people. No, listen, if he's, is he playing Pantera? Because I mean, cause if he's playing Pantera, the answer to that question is is you you should run. This guy, there's a, that's a, like, like there. Oh, I was going with the acoustic, no, 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 the acoustic guitar is more racist in my version. Oh, wow. <laughs> the acoustic guitar. I mean, like, I don't see Toby Keith rocking a flying V, you know what I mean? Like, there's, I, there's a. I thought you were taking out, it was a hot take at the Spanish culture. That's oh, right. We see. see you over there, Spain, hating on the Moors. Forgive, man. It's in the past. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. I think, I think electric TV sounds like something, like one of those really lame catchphrases that an OG hipster in the late 1960s would use. Like, oh, man, those pants are far out. They're electric tuberculosis. Electric tuberculosis sounds like like it uh, like one of those like uh, uh, dystopian movies about like how how far like uh, like corporate greed would go like like listen yeah it basically uh, it, in order to get uh, electricity in this poor impoverished country we actually had to install generators like how many okay quick question how many calories are burned every day how much energy just goes to waste whenever a kid with tuberculosis coughs. That is energy. His 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 muscles are. I don't care how tired he is. He is violently using his muscles, even against his will. All right. If we could somehow put a generator on that kid's abs, like as as he's coughing for his life, think of how I could power my juicer here in this third world country. Electric tuberculosis could also be the name you give a male sex worker who sounds and looks like Doc Holliday. <laughs> like in the West World, like he's like the West World Doc Holiday. Yeah. That's good. Well, he doesn't even have to. He doesn't have to be a robot. Yeah, he doesn't have to be a robot. The electric could stand for his sexual prowess. Like it could be a like one of those type of nicknames. But yeah, like electric electric tuberculosis for a, a fine Southern gigolo. Yeah. <laughs> so he survived into electricity, but not into antibiotics. I well, he had different priorities. <laughs> I mean, odds are the antibiotics that would have cured his tuberculosis probably would have cured the plethora of sexual dis- transmitted diseases that a man like electric st electric uh, tuberculosis certainly would have had. Well, here's the thing about electric tuberculosis. <laughs> the type of clientele he appeals to actually tends not to have a lot of STDs uh, because Honest of their virgins? utter... No, well, it's because of their uh, inability to sexually function without the likeness of Doc Holliday. So there's a, there's a shockingly small number of cases where you can get STDs given those parameters. 
I'm gonna say I, I okay. I, I have a ton of uh, uh, criticisms of the controls you put on this study, but but let's let's proceed with the episode, and I will email you them uh, as as the as the episode goes on. Oh, you will indeed. <laughs> First off, there's like like there's only one type of person that would be attracted to a to an electric dock holiday. There's only one that that's a sexual fetish. It's like getting shit on. Like no, that man pulls there's to a, everybody. There's only there's a, there is only one that cares about it enough to pay the premium that electric tuberculosis charges. Yes, <laughs> it's like a deal with the devil. He just wants to spread tuberculosis. That's all this is about. Yeah, like. Like if you were if you were some James Bond Goldfinger like villain, right? You would never use gold condoms to have sex because it would be incredibly costly. Like if that wasn't your thing to get off on, you would never do that just as a random option. It would cost thousands of dollars per sexual experience just for the condom itself. So you know if you find a gold condom that it's some kind of perverted Goldfinger like supervillain who has to because nobody else is gonna waste this kind of capital on. A condom. So, so, like, I'm also picturing. So he's a prostitute, but he's also kind of a Bond villain. So at some point, I'm picturing it uh, like one of his yeah. uh, henchmen has displeased him. Well, I think uh, it's a little too late to say you're sorry, and he coughs on them. Congratulations, it's a lifelong condition. <laughs> mm. Good luck getting a job that requires a tuberculosis test. Hope you're not working with children or in the healthcare industry. <laughs> Plan on coaching football? Not today. Uh, I, I do like the idea of, of escort Doc Holiday. <laughs> I think I do. He's such an interesting character. He's a cl- he's a prostitute <laughs> and a villain and a, like a lachif yeah. fucking villain. But who gets paid thousands of dollars an hour for sexual services? Fuck, man. <laughs> he has electric dick. I think the electric must stand for it. He has like a fucking uh, rabbit, pearl rabbit for a dick. And uh, that's just, you, you can't beat that. You can't compete with that. And if you want to get a pearl rabbit for your dick, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon where you get another episode of Science Faction every single week. This week, we're going to have a very special Patreon, a little bit something interesting. So go ahead and tune in if you want to see that. Electric tuberculosis, you've gone totally mad. Tell me what you (laughs) plan to do with the Earth's supply of gold. I suppose I'll tell you that if you could tell me the difference between jam and jelly. <laughs> oh, no. Clinch, think do it for MI6. God save the queen. I won't be jellying my cock down your throat later on tonight. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you don't say the punchline, it just gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> All right. Let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is Science Articles. You know, most science podcasts don't touch on issues like what an escort version of Doc Holliday would mean for the real world and its and its implications for society. But that's the that's the difference that we have here, Davian. I would also say that we probably have a lot of foreign listeners who probably don't understand the joke that you were trying to that I didn't allow my uh, James Bond uh, to walk into. Um, and so for, right. and perhaps I think there's some probably even domestic academics. Uh, who might have gone their uh-huh. entire career 
uh, without hearing this, uh, but to the without audience, hearing what the difference between jam and yeah, jelly yes. was. Uh, uh, so, so I'll, I'll play the I'll play the straight man in this if you want to do it. Uh, so uh, you know the difference between jam and jelly, Damien? I don't know, Bobby. What is the difference between jam and jelly? Jam oftentimes contains particles of the fruit itself, whereas jelly is really more of just the puree. Okay, and what is, where does marmalade come in? I think that is a got some dry fruit. I, th- I, I think it's. You know I think it's. A, I, don't I think know. it's. I, I don't think marmalade know. is specific to like oranges, and it has peanut part yeah, of the peel in it. If you freeze it, it's a sorbet. Yeah. That's how, if you freeze it, it's a sorbet. And, that's and how it, it works. That might be confusing, but yeah, like if you're one of our like uh, Netherlands fans, yeah, that's just a regional California joke that we have regularly. Uh, like he, you know, it's, it's, it's scripted down to the marmalade description. Scripted. All right. Article number one, electric TV may power your next watch. We've already spent, I think, the uh, better part of eight minutes uh, doing a riffing on electric TV. So I'll let you. So since the magic's gone there, I'll let you get into the article. Oh, I was just going to comment on how my my existing watch is just powered by regular TV. So this is very exciting for me. <laughs> you haven't upgraded. To the, see, I like to like about yeah. Apple always putting out something new. Their iTV, yeah, has really changed the game. Yeah. No, I just, I give, uh, progressively give different young children TV and force them to follow around and cough into a mechanism I designed that harnesses the power of children's coughs and creates uh, electricity. Yeah, which by the way, you might say, how come Bobby's allowed to be a free man? Because those children yeah. that he enslaved are his children. And uh, you can just yes. do that if they're your kids. Uh, it's... I, Legally speaking, they're property, and you can beat them as long as they don't die within three days. Dude, uh, uh, no joke. Uh, it, t- it takes a lot for CPS to do something. If CPS is investigating somebody, and like, don't listen to what they say, because for them to even like, for, for them, for such an underfunded agency to even be giving you a second sniff, like you could, you could have punched, you could do be doing a Homer Simpson choking out your child right in front of a CPS agent, and ninety nine percent of the time they'll be like, "Well, I didn't see methamphetamine." So I can't, like, I, I can't do anything. It's just legally, I can't. Oh, uh, dear. All right, on, on to the electric TV. Really interesting article this week came out about the ability of a bacteria to produce electricity out of atmospheric hydrogen. Now, a couple of caveats. We didn't just discover this bacteria this week or something or its ability to turn hydrogen into electricity. We knew about the bacteria. That The bacteria is actually used heavily in labs because it's a close relative, a cousin of the TB bacteria. So we use it to study TB. So we've known about it before and we've known that certain versions of it do have the ability to basically get their energy from hydrogen, from atmospheric hydrogen, which is very impressive, but we never knew exactly how they were doing it. And what this article did was actually figure out the enzyme that that did it and the process that that enzyme goes through. So the enzyme is referred to as the HUC or HUC enzyme. And here's a quote from the article. (laughs) At its center, HUC has a structure called an active site that contains charged ions of nickel and iron. Once hydrogen molecules made up of two protons and two electrons enter the active site, they become trapped between the nickel and iron ions and get stripped of their electrons. The enzyme then sends these electrons along a flowing stream to generate a current. 
So basically this bacteria has an enzyme in it that can allow it to pull electricity directly from hydrogen, which is very, very interesting. If you were just to say from hydrogen, you'd be like, well, we know that you have hydrogen fuel cells, all that kind of stuff. This is from atmospheric levels of hydrogen, meaning just what we're breathing in the air. It means that you could have this bacteria growing someplace in a regular environment and it would be producing electricity continuously. What are its capabilities if, I don't know, if I'm like, uh, if I'm a time traveler and I take that thing onto the Hindenburg? Like what, mm -hmm. what, what, I mean, does it, does it, does it blow up because it's overjuiced or um, does it, does the battery charge for a year? Uh, am yeah, I I'm going to say it's actually, it's, it's. If you, you invent the first hybrid vehicle, it's a mixture, it's a hybrid <laughs> dirigible that is that is now running out. Now, the, you wouldn't use the bacteria itself to power this. You would use the enzyme, the Huck enzyme to, to actually do it, which is why it's important that we have isolated this. Very, very neat. This, this bacteria lives pretty much everywhere. It lives in super extreme environments like Antarctic soils. It lives in the soils games. all around us. It is. It it lives in Mountain Dew factories where there's just nothing but extremity. Yeah, like uh, listen. Sometimes there'll be like an FDA inspection, and the inspector will like check under parts of the of the uh, assembly line uh, of the conveyor belts. Like, up, oh, got a buildup of extremism bacteria right here, or <laughs> TV bacteria. It feeds off the extreme. Very, very cool. Very cool that it can, you know, like replicate by itself in super intense environments at the bottom of the ocean and, you know, volcanic vents and stuff. And that is why it has this ability to convert hydrogen or atmospheric hydrogen directly into energy. Really, really neat. So this is a Mycobacterium smegmatis. And if we can use this Huck enzyme to to derive electricity from directly from uh, atmospheric hydrogen, we would have a source of small amounts of electricity. Now, here is the cap, one of the other big caveats. This is not going to power your electric car. This is not going to power your house. This would be small amounts of electricity that would be able to do stuff that are difficult to do for remote setups. Think of things like uh, remote cameras, sensors, these types of trigger. things. Or something like a watch. Yes, bomb triggers, exactly. watches, just it, a, anything that you would need, like small amounts of power steadily over a long period of time that could be exposed to just the air. Now, it can produce much more electricity when exposed to high atmospheric levels or high levels of hydrogen. But then there's a trade-off where you can just, you know, use a hydrogen fuel cell or burn the hydrogen or do something else to it. So there becomes a, an issue of whether that's the most efficient way to use it. But certainly in small-scale things, this is really, really interesting. Who knows? This might even be able to do, you know, stuff in um, high atmospheric type things, experiments, things where you still do have some amount of atmosphere. Gorilla combat. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the problems with guerrilla combat leagues is that it's really hard um, to, to keep cameramen um, because there's a 100% fatality rate. And so, so the, you know, like, yeah, you get great shots, but literally every, every person who gets off the plane with a, with a big VHS camera hoisted over his shoulder goes home in a body bag. And so, and so it, is, uh, it is difficult. So if you could have a self-powered camera in the guerrilla fight coliseum uh, that they have down there in the Congo, like if you could have that, then yeah, you wouldn't need to constantly be throwing <laughs> bodies at it like, like the Russian soldiers. It's just so weird that we're putting it like, like, a, like, uh, like you know, especially given with, uh, with, with how good we are with drone technology, mounted camera technology. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's not like we have cameramen inside the UFC, inside the, the UFC yeah. cage. You know, we filmed that from no. the outside. Well, but David, 
we don't we don't have a UFC cage in the middle of the jungle. Don't be silly. All right, you're being. <laughs> it's just weird you're being that, we, ridiculous. that we have like like uh, the they type fucking of ridiculous. An early '90s cameraman from like a set of fucking yeah. Groundhog Day filming these uh-huh. these intensely gladiatorial combat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I mean uh, art and a sport. You know, as yeah. they say. <laughs> and you would think that with all the money we have to put this on, you could at least have some sort of control tranquilizer. I don't know. Um, uh, well, and how would they be fighting? That doesn't even make sense. You're talking like an idiot now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we tried. <laughs> we tried different things. We had a we had a, like a gorilla proof suit, uh, but it turns out that that was just it was just really thick coveralls and it did nothing. And then we uh, we, tried we tried dressing the uh, cameraman up like a sexy gorilla lady, which uh, which was inspired yeah. by a cartoon. And that that ended even out, worse. That was that was worse. So much worse. <laughs> he's he's still a member of that male gorilla's harem, actually. Yeah, the uh, the family actually saw it on pay per view happening live. <laughs> they, the worst part is uh, we wouldn't even comp them the subscription, the pay per view fee. <laughs> we can't we can't be comping anybody. Do you know how much money we have to pay out to these dead cameramen's families? Why do we have this as part of the sport, Bobby? Listen. I want to be honest with you. You are somehow worse than Dana White as a promoter. Somehow and less ethical. I would rather watch a thousand slap fight leagues. Well, actually, no. I'd rather watch a lot of the Gorilla League. I just think the cameraman shouldn't die. That's my stance. (laughs) Listen, Damien, bad things shouldn't happen. I agree. You know, like nobody should ever go hungry. But like we live in the real world of guerrilla violence. And like sometimes cameramen are the a hundred percent of the time cameramen are the victim of that violence. In your sick worldview, cameramen are so disposable. Uh, article number two, the vaccine against misinformation. Are we going to listen to a guy who kills journalists <laughs> willy-nilly about... Oh, about journalists. Like, journalists. They were shooting bum fights 10 years ago. Now they're shooting guerrilla fights. They're not journalists. They're technically licensed advice. That's journalists. They're given advice, press credentials. Like I said, they're not journalists. <laughs> then why do they have 10 hours of footage of a guy doing mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> So there is a really interesting Scientific American article. Uh, it's an interview, and it's free on their website right now. Highly advise you to go check it out. I don't get paid, by the way, for anything. I, just, I very much enjoy Scientific American. And, uh, we don't get this- paid, but the Science Faction Super PAC uh, gets money. Yes. Because it's running yes. for office. I don't... <laughs> it's... <laughs> Uh, we've raised now close to millions of dollars to uh, officially get the state of California to recognize the concept of cinnamon and brown as being two different things, is... which it t- they send us letters over and over again saying we already we don't confuse those things. I don't understand why you would need us to formally recognize this. But anyway, please join us on official on April 15th, which is a f- official cinnamon is not brown day in the state of California. You could have spent our Patreon money on marketing. You could have spent our Patreon money. Fuck, you could have spent it on just like a, like on a, on a, on a paper, on like a, on like a banner that you hung over a freeway or a t-shirt that you, that you like held up a bank with. But no, you spent it on this use, this, this, this willy nilly abuse this frivolous abuse of the California write-in ballot system. Oh, uh, dear. So this particular interview addresses many of the concepts and studies we've referenced here, but condenses it pretty nicely. 
as the lead up to the reference is an interview with somebody who works on misinformation, actually somebody whose research we've talked about on the show multiple times before. So as a reference to it, the article quotes that they found that 62% of people regularly notice false or misleading information online. And in a 2019 poll, almost nine in 10 people admitted to having fallen for fake news. And again, I've done a bunch of work on how science is interpreted, how you could verify what is true and what isn't, and I've fallen for fake news. I fell for the same one Damien did when we believed Ben Shapiro was fawning over his apparently not nearly as busty sister as those doctored photos made us think. Yeah, I I still need to. I like listen. I know this is like like uh, one of those things where like I'm uh we're we're like you're a priest and you you don't believe in God anymore, but like you're so invested mm-hmm. in the system. Like I I need yeah. to believe that Ben Shapiro's sister's wreck is that those hateful boobies are, are as glorious. Well, that's called the stuck up Pris rack bias, <laughs> and it is. <laughs> Some of our greatest scholars in history have been guilty of it. No, but I mean, it proves, look, we do a show where we talk about misinformation on that show all the time, and we get fooled too. So everybody, it's not one of those well, things where you well, go like, oh, you misinformation, it's that thing. I, I'm, I'm, uh-huh. the t- you're, some of us are fools, uh, and some of us are the top. You were the one who told me about the Benjamin's sister thing. Yeah, yeah, and I, like I said, I have yet to acknowledge that that's, that's a blind spot, but that aside... <laughs> I'm also the type of guy who uh, isn't fooled because I uh, have plenty of hot single moms in my area who are willing That's to vouch true. for me, who are totally into me. So They're so bored, Damien. They're just sitting around <laughs> so bored. <laughs> so the guy they interview is Sonder Vanderlyn of the University of Cambridge, and he studies how and why people share information and misinformation. He does a bunch of reference is to things we've covered, including a guy named Bill McGuire, who was a psychologist in the 1960s, who talked about brainwashing. That was like kind of more of an in vogue term and how to avoid that. Uh, but he advocates a, a technique we have covered before. We covered this extensively about a year and a half ago called pre-bunking, which has two parts. The first is for, first warning, which jumpstarts the psychological immune system because it's not paying attention most of the time. And we tell people that someone may want to manipulate them, which raises their skepticism and heightens their awareness. The second part of the pre-bunk is analogous to providing people with a weakened dose of the virus in a vaccine. For example, in some cases, you can get a small dose of misinformation and tips on how to refute it. That can help people be more resilient against misinformation. So this is stuff we covered. Uh, This is stuff that's not like necessarily shocking or new, but it is interesting to see it condensed down into a single interview. It's also interesting to see them talk to the the social scientist or the psychologist who's actually doing the work. one of the things when when you talk about that pre-bunking is when they started talking about the uh, reminding people that somebody might be trying to deceive them or be duplicitous. One of the things they talk about in the interview is how we're kind of like messed up in our mind because we are used to operating in an environment where most of the time, most people are not trying to fool you, right? If you are around your friends, your family, you're going about your everyday life, you go to school, you go to work, most people are not desperately trying to pull the wool over your eyes. The percentage of like what you would be call like an honest interlocutor or somebody who's, who's participating in a, in a transparent and honest way in the relationship you have, the percentage of people doing that drops drastically down when you go to like social media, right? Then you have a lot of people who are trying to manipulate you, who are trying to convince you of something that isn't true. And so one of the things they talk about is you have to adjust 
this natural setting in your head for the same reason, like we don't just randomly punch every person we don't know, we don't walk by because we have a social setting that is set to this much danger. Whereas if we were in the zombie apocalypse, pretty much everybody's walking, you gotta punch them or kill them, right? So like there are settings you got to adjust. And one of the things they're pointing out is we tend to walk around our lives with the same settings on and make fail. we have a failure to adjust when we're in certain environments. like. If you walk into a courtroom, obviously you know that defense attorney is not just going to give you the objective truth. Neither is the prosecutor, right? They're, they have a side. They are trying to win. They are trying to convince you of something. Somewhere between there and like your grandma telling you she loves you is everything else in between. And you have to kind of like adjust that dial as you go through life. That's why you always lie to the prosecutor. It's D's nuts for everything. What was the name of your friend? D's nuts. What do you call your genitals? D's nuts. What did you major in in college? D's nuts. All of these factually true, but so I'm not perjured myself. No, see, you have perjured yourself. You, you first of all, you uh, failed out of that major in college. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I never put in the community service hours. There's <laughs> some bullshit. Yeah, they'll be able to prove that you're lying. That's why anytime this is the real smart way. I don't. I almost feel bad letting the general public know about this because it's basically a way to get get away with murder. Is uh, if you are ever being questioned on the stand, like anytime they ask you a question, you do one that is 100% accurate but does not tell them anyone anything. Like, watch, Damien, pretend you're a prosecutor. You're trying to figure out uh, if I was there at the murder scene, if I'm the guy who murdered him. Uh, so start asking me questions about who I was with and everything. Uh, Mr. Timothy, uh, uh, you said in your report that you had never seen the defendant, but uh, there were several witnesses that saw you with the defendant that night. Mm -hmm. uh, do you care to mm -hmm. revise your story? I have never in person seen the Northern Lights. Um, is, that a, is that a street drug? Is that a street drug? Is that a, is that a nickname? No, no. No, literally never, just never seen the Northern Lights at all. And I want to put that on record, uh, I, I, hand to God. Uh, then the, the judge slams his gavel. That's it, case dismissed. This man needs to see Aurora Borealis before he dies. It's one of the true, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a true display of nature's majesty. Yeah, so like if somebody and then like if they were like if if I had committed a crime with Damien, they're like who'd you who who was with you when you committed the crime? And I'd be like not John, and they'd be like all right, but who's with you? Not John, and that's true. Like the guy, his name wasn't John. There was no guy named John who was with me. Therefore, that's a valid answer, right? And you can't keep harassing me and asking me the same question over and over again. No, who were you with? I just told you not John. That's an answer. It's accurate. It's true. So you can't keep harassing me legally. That's how you get out of murder. I plead the Second Amendment, and that's when you start shooting. That's that's like when, that's that's like the action movie line. I plead the second. Bam, 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 bam. I plead the fourth, and I invite a soldier into my house, but then kick him out just unceremoniously. <laughs> I don't have to provide you quarter. Get out. <laughs> you say you don't support King George, but oh no, one of his men would all see one. I, I oftentimes invoke 1800s telegraph law to get my way in judicial decisions. <laughs> I plead the whatever the one the repeal of prohibition is, and you start drinking in court. <laughs> uh, 
Oh dear. All right, audience, thank you so much for coming back for Science Faction 265, where you learned all about a bacteria that can produce electricity and how to inoculate yourself against misinformation. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 656. Uh, hello. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm answering the Craigslist ad for a cameraman with a sense of adventure. <laughs> I've been known to play some nickel poker. I'm no stranger to risk. You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs>